Hi, this is Shauna, the CEO and founder of Fuel Talent. One of the things I have loved most in my 25-year recruiting career has always been the stories that people tell. Stories of leadership, career choices, company ideas, and team building. My inspiration for starting the What Fuels You podcast came from being curious about people's lives and wanting to help share their stories. What path brought them to this place? What decisions did they make that led to failures and successes? Who influenced those decisions and what lessons were learned along the way? I hope you enjoy the What Fuels You podcast. Fran Dunaway is today's guest on What Fuels You. Fran refers to herself as an accidental entrepreneur, formerly having worked in human services as a video producer and activist. She's now the CEO of Tomboy X, creating underwear for all people of all sizes and genders, which she founded and runs with her wife, Naomi. Through her business and her life, she's teaching people to be comfortable in their own skin and unapologetically themselves. Welcome, Fran. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for being here. Um, so we're going to start with Rapid Fire. You ready? Yes. Okay. What's your favorite podcast? Gosh. Uh, lately, you know, it depends on the day. I love to listen to Loose Threads. Uh, Rich Richie Siegel out in New York has a great podcast that's been really helpful because he brings in founders of retail e-commerce companies. And I always uh, learn a lot, get a lot of tidbits. I love that. Do you prefer black or white? Black. Me too. What's your favorite season? Spring. And what's your cocktail order? Uh, dry vodka martini, dirty. <laughs> um, who has been the biggest inspiration professionally in your life? Oh, probably one of our advisor mentors who has been with us now for about, oh gosh, coming on four years, I think. And uh, her name is Deborah Benton. She's based in LA and uh, she's just been incredible. I love it. What's your biggest pet peeve? My biggest pet peeve is uh, not getting to the point. People who take too long to talk. <laughs> I'm the same way. <laughs> Favorite film director? Oh gosh. First one that comes to mind is Vin Vendors. But that's uh, dating me a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who's Ben Benders? <laughs> I'm going to look it up now. Um, best vacation spot? Rome, Italy. Nice. Love mm -hmm. it. So on this podcast, I'm really just curious to get to know people better. Mm -hmm. I feel like I get to meet interesting people. You're one of them, and I'm super thrilled that you're here. So tell me, um, let's start from the beginning. Where are you from? Where were you raised? Well, I was born in Mobile, Alabama. My people are still in the Deep South. I was an Army brat. My dad was in the military, and we uh, traveled extensively. I went to 13 or lived in 13 different houses before I graduated from high school. Whoa. And, yeah. 13 different houses and 13 different geographies completely? Oh, ended up being in various parts of Missouri from sixth grade through graduate school. So, But, yeah, different homes. This is so interesting. And how has that shaped you? You know, I'm pretty adaptable. I can pretty much talk to anyone and feel really comfortable because of my uh, work in the, you know, growing up in the military, I think that uh, I'm not very deferential to authority. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad told me pretty early on, Fran, don't even think about joining the Army. You're not 
fit for it, and uh, he meant in terms of my attitude. Of course, my brother became an Army Ranger, so oh, interesting. very, very um, different ways of adapting. So you said brother, is he your only sibling? Yes. I and am. where are you in birth order? He's three years younger. Three years younger. Are you kind of the, the mama bear big sister? Uh, with him, no, but I've uh, been a boss since I was about five, So, um, or maybe I came out of the womb that way, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I say that <laughs> in the same way. <laughs> and your parents are they still married? They are. They have their 60th wedding anniversary uh, in two weeks. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, that's amazing. So they're healthy. They're married. It was what type of childhood would you say? So the army brat part put you in a position to have. Obviously, your mom probably wasn't working. She actually was. Uh, her story is re- really pretty interesting. She came from a very small town in Mississippi, Shady Grove, Mississippi. And uh, did uh, I think attended like home at college? You know there weren't many options for women in Mississippi at the time. And then when I was in uh, junior high school in Kansas City, she was working as an admin or secretary, I think it was called, uh, for a stock brokerage firm. And she decided that she wanted to uh, become a stockbroker. So she worked really hard and became a stockbroker. I'd say middle school through high school was a latchkey kid um, because she was working full-time and my dad was working full-time. Wow. And she just uh, grabbed the bull by the horns and and made things happen. And would you say that that influenced you, that you could do it? Or would you have done this anyway, been this driven entrepreneur? I think I rebelled against her for a while, um, but I certainly recognize that uh, I have a lot of her traits, uh, the traits that... uh, make her, uh, you know, stick to things and just Mm -hmm. kind of pick up and go. They're both very adventurous people. Mm -hmm. Uh, They just moved back into their home that they rebuilt after Katrina. Uh, They lost everything to Hurricane Katrina. I didn't realize that. They came up here for a while. They were in Seattle for about eight months and then um, moved back down to Florida. And, yeah, a couple years ago, my mother had had a a bad accident and had shattered her ankle. And I was in the hospital with her and said, you know, what What are you guys' future plans? What do you want to do? And she's like, I want to go home. So I was like, all right, here we go. We're going to rebuild a house. And, that is adventurous yeah, at this stage yeah. of life. So at 82, they're moved oh, into geez. their home. We just were down there last month and helped them move. And are there values that they raised you with that are clearly kind of being brought into Tomboy X at this point? I think that, I think that we have very uh, differing political views. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they're very incredibly proud of what we've accomplished, and they did write the first check. I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah. We were estranged for quite some time. They mm-hmm. weren't thrilled with uh, my sexuality. Mm-hmm. And, when did you come uh, out to was, them? Uh, I was 21. Oh, later. I guess, I mean, yeah, not later, yeah, back I know. then. I, that's what, no, but that's nowadays, how I think about it. I, I feel like I've wasted a lot of years. But. Well, nowadays, <laughs> kids are like, I'm gay. They're like 11. Oh, I know, yeah. It's an unbelievably different time. Yeah. I think um, I knew internally that I was, but... Well, all of my friends who are gay said that they knew, they all say the same age, and they're saying like 6, 7. Mm-hmm. Not even like 17, like yeah. young, young. Yeah, definitely middle school. I started having dreams when I was in middle school. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you told them, is that a moment in your life that you remember the exact moment? Oh, I remember it very well. Yeah, very well. And uh, yeah, they didn't take it well. And fortunately, I had an opportunity to kind of uh, grab my bags and and leave a few hours later and uh, took off. And yeah, it it took a long, it actually took until Hurricane Katrina to kind of get us to a a long time. Yeah, yeah. And is that being from the South thing or conservative, religious? Like, what are there? Oh, no, it wasn't religious. I think it was um, appearances. 
I think oh, it was appearances. keeping up appearances yeah. to their friends. Yeah, because, you know, he was a military, he was a officer, and they had come from, you know, meager means, mm-hmm. and I think they had um, kind of some ideas about presentation. Yeah. And uh, and my That's dad's a, a real pleaser. Yeah, yeah. It's common. Yeah. I'm glad that things have come. Yeah, kind of no, it's it's great. Full circle. I'm sure you've done a lot of work to try to work through that. That would be really painful, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. And so paint a picture for me of Fran, the middle school girl. Were you confident or did your sexuality and confusion around that inform your personality a little bit? I think some of both. Um, I remember I used to write chapter books and uh and uh, pass them around to my friends. So in those spiral notebooks, and would write different chapters, and uh, and also played sports. And what sports was, did you play? Uh, I played softball. I, I, I played nice. softball. I played um, uh, through college and fast pitch, but um, played volleyball. And were you a good student? I was. I was. It, it was a fairly easy um, for me to. I didn't have to work too hard. Yeah. Um, and was that a value in your home, getting yeah, an education yeah. and the next generation doing better than the previous one? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I I think there were, was uh, financial incentives involved, as I recall. And I was really independent, um, mm-hmm. fiercely independent uh, from a pretty early age. I learned it how to like drive. Sounds like you needed to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we were we we lived for about uh, four years out in a farmhouse out in, outside of Platte City, Missouri, and I learned to drive when I was twelve. And um, I used to drive this little Volkswagen around. And when I was uh, a great story with uh, to kind of show you um, how my parents were and what I was like. But at fourteen, I was still borrowing the car, and uh, my dad had bought this nineteen fifty three Ford pickup and painted it fire engine red. And I loaded it up with a bunch of friends, and we took off down the street. And the neighbor saw us and reported us uh, to my parents. And so the same thing happened to my brother. Is that right? But he was on Mercer Island. Oh my gosh! Like, yes, oh gosh! Yeah, around. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so it, the neighbors 14, reported they you. They did. They did. And my parents. Um, it was two. It was a uh, a week before my fifteenth birthday. And in Missouri, you had to be sixteen to drive legally. And so. Um, I was grounded, of course, for two weeks, and on my birthday, I was presented two envelopes, and then the first envelope was a contract saying that I would not borrow the car anymore without their permission, which, of course, they wouldn't give me. And and then the second one was, uh, once I signed that, then I opened the second one. It was tickets to Mississippi, which is where my grandfather lived, and the uh, legal driving age at that time was 15. Oh. So I flew to Mississippi and got my driver's license at 15 so that's that I, cool. they didn't have to put up with me borrowing the car for another year. But that's actually cool. Yeah, it was great. I was mean, great. that does tell a lot about your parents. Yes. <laughs> and so you went to University of Missouri. Yes. Right? Did I say it right? Missouri. Yeah. Missouri. Yeah. Missouri. 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 <laughs> How did you choose that school and your major? Well, I was in I was in uh, Platte City, Missouri, for high school. Uh, my parents pulled some strings. They my dad was um, transferred. He actually did my senior year. He was in Iran, and uh, and I I uh, put my foot down and said I was not moving in uh, high school. So they bought a little piece of property so that I could stay in the district, and then I commuted. I I drove from Kansas City uh, up to Platte City, Missouri, in order to stay in the same school. So I was already in Missouri. My dad came back from Iran and got a gig in uh, in um, Fort Leonard Wood. He was a, a commander in Fort Leonard Wood and 
there was a, a University of Missouri Rolla was down there nearby, and so he wanted me to come and, and stay. I had, I had moved out my senior year of high school. Um, my mother and I didn't get along very well, and so he had come back um, and wanted me to live with them because he was back. And so I I tried that for six months, and it, so the school down the road was Rolla, so I lived at home for six months and then moved. And how did you choose <clears throat> to study IO psychology? That was not actually. That it was common. a master's of uh, education, right? Yeah, yeah. And what about your undergraduate degree? Um, oh, my undergraduate degree. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it was a it was an engineering school, and uh, math wasn't uh, one of my greatest skills or passions, and so I chose the psychology track. I think partly because I was kind of trying to figure out what who I was and what I was doing, and then was fortunate. There was no graduate program in um, psychology there, and so I was able to work as a, a assistant to like the professors in the psychology department. Um, started with when I was a sophomore. Mm-hmm. And Did so, you think yeah. you wanted to pursue that? Yes and no. I ended up working in group homes and working with disabled people. Um, I how did that come to be? To- I always I was, love hearing yeah. this as a recruiter. Yeah, oh, right. So I just love hearing people's choices along the way. Yeah. Well, I graduated from college and I came out about the same time. And so then I moved to Columbia, Missouri. And did I you have took a girlfriend? A Is that what kind of yeah. forced the yeah yeah coming out? Yeah. There. Yeah. I mean, I I had a pretty good notion, and I was um, having a hard time. And so a friend of mine. Um, took me aside and kind of asked me what was going on, and I told her how, how I was feeling. And turns out um, she had experience, and it's the show me state. So was she was, the first person that you told? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and the first person I was with. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd gone to high school with you. Didn't I see was her in that curious. way before. No, it was yeah sheer experimentation and wanting to see what it was like. And then that was like everything came into focus. That is a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you felt probably twenty pounds lighter at the end of that year. It was it was pretty intense. Uh, yeah, it was hard. I think because I was raised here. Like I, when I hear things about racism or anti-Semitism or anti-gay, anything, I'm like, huh? Why do you care? Right. Like, just live your life, do your thing. Yeah. It, it's like what people do in their own lives in their own homes. They're all good people. Exactly. And and that I think was one of the hardest things for me was because when I came out to myself. I was just blown away at how everything came into sharp focus and all of these doors opened and all of this stuff that had been kind of lurking in the back of of, of my mind came into focus. And so I was excited and mm-hmm. um, quickly realized that uh, there were not very many people that shared that excitement with me. So I did read about you that there's a book that you read called Ruby Fruit Jungle that kind of changed your life. What's the book about? Ruby Fruit Jungle was written written by Rita Mae Brown, and she was an out lesbian in the 70s. She actually dated Martina Navratilova for a Mm. while. I love Martina. Yeah. And uh, she wrote these amazing books. And I think more than anything, it's just being able to see... Uh, read about people like me. And so mm-hmm. it was just this epiphany. It's shared experience. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it was stories. And she just writes with such wit. Uh, she also wrote one, um, Six of One, Half a Dozen of Another, that had me you know, laughing out loud. I can't believe I remember that. It was a long time ago. And uh, so it's, it's more about being seen. And I mm-hmm. think that that's kind of relates back to the Tomboy X brand, which is what's really important is that 
to be seen and heard. Mm-hmm. And it's just like if you don't see yourself in the media or anywhere. And so to find out that there were more people like me mm-hmm. was a real epiphany. And uh, I was excited about it. Uh, but yeah, it was it was cool. I love that. Well, I did send it to my friend. So awesome. I'll uh, let you know. I think it's age if appropriate. It's, if It'll it's be helpful for her, for her daughter. <laughs> okay. So then walk me through the next thing. So you graduate, yep. come out. Yep. And then what? Oh, I went back to college and I took a year off and that's when I started working in group homes and mm-hmm. it was just a, a a job that paid a, a pretty good wage. I was also more of a job, managing. less of a career. Yes. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And then you were like, now I need to feel passionate. So yeah. film school? Well, no, because the interesting thing um, about the, the group home work was the first day I went, I was absolutely terrified. And I went home and said, I can't go back there. I was terrified of these children. And because um, they were, you know, at the time it was called behavioral. It was all de- special needs kids? Yeah, behaviorally disordered. That's hard. Yeah. yeah. I, it was the scariest thing I'd ever done. And so I went home and thought, I can't go back. And then I said, well, that's why I have to. I have to go back. Good and the biggest you. thing I learned at that was that I think I went into it, and a lot of people go into it thinking you're going to give. And I got so much more than I gave. Mm-hmm. And so it was an incredible learning experience. And um, I ended up managing group homes um, and, and kind of specializing in that and and found a niche there. And girlfriend and I moved out to, we came out to the Northwest for vacation. We met at the, at the group homes and we worked together. And then uh, we came out here. She had finished a BFA in uh, Missouri. And so... What brought you to Seattle? Mountains and water. Actually, it was um, Vancouver Island. We came up and went camping and was like, oh my God, mountains and water together. Let's do this. So moved out here, packed up the little Toyota pickup in uh, January in uh, 1987 and drove out here and uh, was not going to do group homes and uh, and ended up being uh, swayed back into it because of an incredible opportunity. And I ended up being executive director of this agency. So at 25, I was doing that. And then at 35, I decided to sell everything and go to film school. And what uh, inspired that decision? coming back from vacation in Hawaii and was tired of the bureaucracy of of, uh, what we were doing. And what I found was that I like a project. I like to start something, get it going. And and so with the group homes, you know, I had like 40 employees and 60 clients. And and plus I ended up, I was working for a Christian agency and I was out. And so we both, we all had to learn. Um, You know, I, I came to respect them and I think they came to respect me in a different way. And so uh, but it wasn't my place that they weren't mm-hmm. my people, and I needed to hand it back to the the people it mm-hmm. should be, which were people within their covenant. It's the uh, Dutch Reform community up in Linden, Washington. So I, I, I just knew that I wanted to do something different that would allow me to be more creative. And so I went to film school with a bunch of uh, people who wanted to be directors, and I didn't want to be a director. I wanted to be a producer. And so did that and then um, graduated and... and uh, Started doing documentaries and uh, working on uh, features. And what were the documentaries about? My first one was about kids with autism. So yeah, I kind of blended the you two. You brought all of your worlds together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's great. And then um, we started uh, doing seasonal work for uh, Democratic campaigns, politicians here in Seattle, and then ended up being a partner in that firm and uh, producing political ads and ran production for DC and Seattle office. That's awesome. For about 15 years, yeah. That's awesome. And so is the way that I remember this correct in that you were looking for comfortable clothes for someone like you and Naomi 
suggested, like, enough is enough. Let's just start kind of producing these clothes. She said, how hard can it be to start a clothing company? And off we went. So. And at what point, um, when did you meet Naomi? So I met Naomi, the, the uh, president of the firm I was working for, uh, is a wonderful woman who lives in D.C. And I used to stay at her house with her wife and triplets and watch their animals when they were gone. And so uh, Naomi had just moved to D.C. And um, Dawn said, you guys should should hang out. Uh, that was town. a setup. And, yeah, no, no, not at all. And uh, Naomi's a few years younger than me, so it never dawned on me. I just thought she was, you know, nice and, and she cute and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But I just never went there. Um, she she did. Um, she Go Naomi. Yeah, yeah. She put it yeah, out there. Yeah, she put it out there. But we were friends for a year. Um, so every time I'd come to D.C., we'd go to museums and hang out and go to dinner. We both are foodies and... Yeah. We just, um, I mean, when we first met, we were, like, both wearing the same Fluvog shoes and lucky jeans. So it was kind of like, oh, hey. You're like, my mini-me. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, you both have the curly hair. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. Yeah. And so she put it out there, and did you have a, that feeling of, like, whoa, why didn't I think of this? Or um, were you like, I... No, it, she uh, made the first moves, and then I thought, oh, that was a fun night. And then, you know, I was on my way, and then... You were living in Seattle. Yeah, I was in Seattle where we met up, and that happened was at an art gallery opening in L.A. So, Hmm. yeah, I was going through some medical stuff, and so I was just kind of like heads down. and and Not thinking about a relationship. No, and I'd been single for three years and was perfectly happy and wasn't really looking. And how long did you date long distance before she moved out here? Yeah, a year. That's really cool. And so she's like, enough is enough, honey. How hard can this be? Yeah, yeah, exactly. How long between the time that you started? I know that you've gotten a lot of inspiration from your customers and people who are buying your clothes. And it was them who said, can you create underwear? Yes, exactly. Um, And that's been your biggest source of revenue. We're an underwear company. We no longer make the button-up shirts that we used to make. I know that you put in orders and then you were like sold out before you could even... Yeah. Like yeah. fulfill the orders. Well, we first started making, we introduced the first boxer briefs for women, designed for women. Uh, we're now gender neutral, but at the time, and that was in uh, September of 2014. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have the money to so pay for them. So just over four years. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So we didn't have the money to pay for them, and, and we just went for it, and we pre-sold them, sold out in two weeks. Six months later, we tripled our revenue, and we thought, ah, I think we might we're be an underwear, underwear company. Yeah. And so you said that your parents seeded the company, mm-hmm, and did. since then you've raised how much money? I think we're just over six million. And how's that process been? Has it oh, been brutal, brutal, brutal? Yeah, yeah. You know the numbers. Yeah, two percent of female-funded companies are get venture. Right. I'm just curious how your experience has been. I don't want to assume it's been brutal. Yes, it's. But, I think it's brutal for everyone, but it's. You know, I'm a. Over 50-year-old lesbian who didn't know a knit from a woven and has never started a company. And it's me and my wife. Uh, there are a lot of reasons mm-hmm. that people are going to look at us and go, oh, and that's when you're cute. A, And when you're a $50 million company, are you still going to be saying that? Uh, no. I, I, like I, I, love the, I love the check marks. It's a, it's a fun <laughs> shtick, but I'm like, I think you're past that point. I think you actually know a knit from a woven now. Uh, yeah, I do. I and do. now I think yeah. that uh, you're probably going to have investors lined up. How did you decide who was going to be in what role between you and Naomi? And were you nervous about going into business together? I'm a collaborator. I really like collaborating. And I think that there's always been a part of me that knew that um, with the right partner, I mean, uh, the woman I moved here with, we ran group homes together and we were a great team. Um, So I know that I, I do better when I have someone at my side. And 
Naomi and I are just a real complementary fit in mm-hmm. that we... Um, you have opposite skill sets? I, yeah, we do. She's more operational. She gets into the details, and I can barely read a second paragraph of an email. And so... You and I are the same. I just can't. And so mm-hmm. it was a pretty easy demarcation uh, to where I'm kind of marketing in front of the house and fundraising, and then she's more back-end operations. Mm-hmm. And and she doesn't have a desire probably to be... No, she does not. Not, not seen, but kind of the, the face. Yeah, although, you know, she used to say how she couldn't, uh, she wasn't a good speaker. And, and her one of her best friends is Brianna Scurry, who was the soccer goalie. And uh, when Brianna was inducted to the you know, Soccer Hall of Fame, she asked Naomi to introduce her. Naomi got up there and killed it. That doesn't surprise me. And She's I was very like, poised this is, this is wrong. You've made me up here the front person, and look what you just did. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And when did you get married? We, uh, Naomi proposed to me on a trip. Go in, Naomi. Uh, you ever see that jib-jab thing where it's shut up and dance? At the, yeah. Yeah, that's me and Naomi. It's just <laughs> shut up and dance. Yeah. So she just, uh, she proposed to me at the Mil- on the Melacon in Cuba. She's Cuban. And uh, we were planning to get married a, m- a year later. We had told some people we were getting married. We were engaged and then I've kind of got ho- hooked up into this crazy company thing. And um Knew we didn't have time to plan it. Uh, I'd said, you know, let's get married in Boston, which is where her people are, because she had moved here to be with me. And we should go there with her people and realize that it was going to be impossible to plan a wedding. So uh, we decided that we'd get married the following weekend, and we had a flash flag football game. That way we could invite everyone. Did you everyone invite the Boston was invited. crew? Uh, yes, we invited everyone. So everyone was invited to our wedding. That's great. And, of course, they not many. We didn't tell them we were getting married. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so people showed up. And it just all these, like— And then you got married at you know, halftime? We did. We did. Our, our friend Karma, who um, also was uh, a very critical uh, person in, in our— uh, making boxer briefs for women. It turned out that we were having a beer the weekend before and said, we're thinking about getting married next weekend. She said, I just got my... Uh, she became ordained. Yeah, ordained thing. Because On the I'm, internet? Yeah, yeah, exactly, because I'm marrying someone else. And we were like, oh, well, you can do it. And so, yeah, at halftime, Karma blew the whistle and said, anybody here object to these two getting married? And we walked down to the water at Seward Park and <laughs> That's so got cool. Married. We were FaceTiming with my I parents. I wish I was friends with you at the time. That sounds like it a was, blast. It was a blast. Yeah, we FaceTimed awesome. with my... I, we had called... Her brother, Naomi's brother, and my parents that morning and said, be ready at 6 o'clock. We're going to FaceTime you because we're getting married. And so we called my parents. My dad's in his yeah. dress blues and my mother's in a, oh. in a long gown. And and uh, we FaceTime and, you know, friends holding the camera up. And my mother goes, are they playing football? <laughs> <laughs> in her little, I love it. And so they love Naomi, I'm assuming. Oh, more than me. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty lovable. Yeah, exactly. Not that you're not, but she's, I mean, I can't think of it. She is precious. She's yeah. really amazing. Yeah. And what qualities made her the one? I think because it's just easy. It's easy, and she likes me, and I like her, and we laugh. She laughs at my stupid dad jokes all the time, and um, we fight fair. We are okay with conflict, and, uh, you know, there's no name-calling. It's not personal, and we work through things, Mm -hmm. and we have horrible memories. (laughs) And do you both have the same work ethic? We're definitely in sync. You know, we used to say, okay, after 10 o'clock, we're not talking about work. Hey, it's 11 o'clock. No, we're work. She works much harder than I do. You know, one of the things that I say when we started this company, I've had two jobs. One is to not run out of money and the other is to not fuck it up. And Naomi does everything else. (laughs) 
And that's still true. And so, yeah, she's back there. You know, she does a lot of work. It's interesting now because we're moving from kind of co-founders and startup. And now I'm trying to figure out how to be a CEO and she's figuring out how to be a COO. But it's really cool to look back at kind of where we've come. Oh, yeah. Both together and individually. Yeah. And you can feel that you've built a great culture. When you walk in, you can feel that people are happy. People are accepted. They're themselves. Mm -hmm. um, And they're there to work. Mm Mm-hmm. But that it feels like everybody's working toward a common goal. Absolutely. And so were you deliberate in creating a culture and did you set the values early on? It was really important to me and Naomi to not just uh, create a brand that had no substance. Money no. wasn't your number one driver. Never. It's yeah. still, it's what still is isn't. your number one driver? I think we both share the same thing where we want to fix and we want to leave the world a better place. Mm -hmm. I I have to say, I mean, I follow you on Instagram and I own my Tomboy X. I have the black little boxers with white. Excellent. And they are super soft and comfortable. Which ones are your favorites? You know, it depends on the day, but mm-hmm. I tend to search for the micromodal, which is the luxury fabric. Well, of course. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you may nice. not be money motivated, but you like the finer oh, things. Oh, I do love finer things. Let, let the me food, be clear. the wine, yeah, and the underwear. I do like money, but I don't, I'm not driven by money. You like the nice the, underwear. So yeah. your Instagram is just incredible. For, for the listeners who have not followed um, Tomboy X on Instagram, it's so inspiring. These women clearly feel so empowered to just, I mean, and men, Mm -hmm. mostly women, in all shapes and sizes, wearing, um, you know, basically barely anything Mm -hmm. and just rocking it. And it's that is leaving the world a better place. Right. That's huge. Yeah. And so I know that you've kind of been clearly motivated by leading the way for other women and that you are a leader within um, the gay community, and that's incredible. But what else would you say is a big part of your identity? Well, I feel like I'm mission-driven, and mm-hmm. that that's kind of like the thing, and, and figuring out how things work. I'm very literal, and so you kind of have to hit me over the head with things, hence Naomi. And uh, so at this point, when I figured out how the game works of around funding and, and okay, only 2% of female-owned companies ever make a million dollars, check. Okay, only 2% of female-owned companies get venture capital, check. And uh, I really um, now have come to the recognition and understanding that um, gender equity isn't going to happen until there are more women in power and that equals wealth. And so that has become kind of my new mission. And so... Um, I think it's important because then when women have more power, wealth, uh, we can fund people that look like us. Yeah, I love that. And so you've got a large company at this point. I mean, not huge, but of all of the different employees, is there a common thread of a type of person who is successful at Tomboy X? I think anyone in a startup has to be comfortable with change and... uh you know, that doesn't seek what people call work-life balance. Mm-hmm. What is that? I don't have a clue. I think mediocrity is the fulcrum of work-life balance. But, you know, you got to lean in and go for go with gusto after everything. And so... Um, and so how do you yeah. interview for those qualities? That's a good question. I'm still figuring that out. I uh, feel like we've, we've had some adjustments, but our current team is phenomenal. Uh, we... We kind of took the company to where it was about six months ago without any e-commerce experience on the team. And so that's amazing. Yeah. 
but it was time to level up. I'm mm-hmm. a video gamer, and so leveled up with our team and uh, pulled in a leadership team that have been with us for four months now that have the e-commerce experience. And yeah. So well, it's just different stages of growth. Exactly. And so you're what you now need you're to ready. get you to hear. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I have learned that having recruited for so many startups that there's just let's get it from point A to point B, and it's not the five-year plan. It's six months or a year. Right. And then regroup. Right. Um, I think you've done a great job at that. Um, how would you describe your leadership style? Yeah, the, you, what you see is what you get. It's always been that way. You know, I like to start the the, the day um, talking to everyone and finding out where people are. And, yeah, we just are who we are, sometimes too much so. So I think that's part of the learning how to be a CEO and I, not I, just Fran at work. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've had to grow up as the company has grown. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Yeah. What do you do to unwind besides your... Martini. Well, yeah. Um, you know, it's, we're taking our first vacation in five years, and we used to vacation quite well. And uh, walking the dog. Uh, what kind of dog? A, she's a Labradoodle. Oh, I Maggie. have a Labradoodle. Yes, Let's I have know. a play date. I would think would love each other. Yeah. yeah. If you had to say kind of the ultimate name of this podcast, what fuels you? Our customers. All day long. It's so important. We didn't start the brand to create a company. I just truly wanted a beautiful shirt like a Robert Graham or Ben Sherman for women. And when we realized about a week into our Kickstarter campaign that we had stepped into a white space, that uh, women and girls around the world were identifying with our brand, uh, we feel very uh, fortunate to be embraced by the trans community. Uh, We wanted to make sure that we made we weren't shaming uh, body shaming anyone so started out of the gate with extra small through 4x at the same price we start our monday all staff meetings with a uh, customer review and i look at customer reviews every day it's really really important to us uh that we're seeing and hearing um you know marginalized uh, people yeah well as a woman super grateful and as a friend, thank you for being on the podcast. Give us the um, Tomboy X handle on Instagram and, I guess, Facebook. It's just Tomboy X. Yes, TomboyX.com uh, and then Tomboy X on Instagram. And uh, and uh, w- let's see. I couldn't give you a code. We can make up a code. Oh, let's do a code. Let's do a code. Uh, how about fuel? Oh, I love it. How about what fuels you? What fuels you? There it is. All right. What right now. fuels you? That's and the use the that code and you'll get 15% off your first Nice. Order. I'm all over it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for listening to the What Fuels You podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And follow us on social media to keep up with the latest news and episodes. You can also contact us at podcast at fueltalent.com to provide feedback, ask questions, and share topics or guests you would like us to cover in the future. We hope you feel inspired by our guests and that we have helped fuel your day. Join us next time for another episode of What Fuels You.